0: If your option was, I can either have dirty, unprotected sex with this woman, or I can wear a sheep intestine for a condom, what would you go
1: with? I've never tried a sheep intestine, so...
0: (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't the right answer. (laughs) Welcome. Is somewhat sober, and get ready to take a sip of something spooky. This week, in theme with our pirate month, get ready for some terrifying tales of ghosts, murder, and ghastly mysteries on the high seas. These swashbucklers are a little more terrifying than charming, so grab a swig of rum to keep your courage on this voyage into the perfect blend of historic true crime and paranormal that is pirate ghost stories. Seriously, act, like sit down and listen to this episode, it's fucking insane. I'm going to tie in Demons, World War II Crimes Against Humanity, the CIA and Dancing Skeletons. It's, <laughs> it's going to be great.
2: Oh, Spooky Scary Skeletons. Let's cue that song right <laughs> now. Yes.
0: We definitely have the rights to that song. If we sing it, does it count as parody?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not a spooky lawyer. Spooky
2: Scary Skeletons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for that. Our resident musician, professional over there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I'm Noah, your host, joined by.
1: Silence. (laughs) I said
0: joined by... (laughs) Hey, I'm Montana. How you doing? I thought I was recording this alone for for a Shutter Island
3: moment.
2: Noah, we've been gone for five years. It's time to let
0: us go. This episode is about not ghost pirates, but ghost friends.
1: (laughs) We were fake all along.
0: Ghosted.
2: What I'm surprised are... with all the fucking crappy-ass horror movies they've made about Facebook and Twitter. There hasn't been a Snapchat one uh, that called That's posted. such a
1: good idea. We should make that. Yeah. Let's make it. <laughs> Let's make it.
0: <laughs> and on our budget, we will be able to afford exactly one actor for the entire movie. I mean, we
1: could each be an actor, but we play like six different people. I got a okay. purple wig. Like uh, Austin Powers. Yeah, exactly.
2: We'll just go buy a couple fake mustaches mm. and... uh
0: I have just a real if, yeah, we'll mustache.
1: Just... Well, it's getting shaved. <laughs> God damn
0: it. What are, you, what are you fellas sipping upon? What spooky
1: things? Um, I am sipping some uh, 100 Crimes uh, red wine. It's my first foray into the world of classy wine. I'm trying to not be.
0: What a great name for it for this episode. Exactly, too. yes. We will cover at least 100 crimes. Wow. Wait, 100 crimes? Whatever, 19? I don't remember the name of it. I'm just looking at a plastic Holy cup. fuck, dude.
1: <laughs>
2: Wait, is it the, is no, it's it's the one from 19. Australia? It's 19 crimes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 it's 19 okay, crimes. So. I just don't remember the name of it. I don't drink wine. <laughs> this is the first time I'm drinking wine. You
0: added, you added 81 crimes to the I list. Mean, I'm
1: sure they committed more than just <laughs> 19. It's just 19 we're documenting. 19 what?
0: crimes they got you. Right, and then you get to Australia,
1: and then you commit 81 more.
0: I like your idea of the Jesus British Christ. judicial system was like, steal a loaf of bread, straight to
1: Australia. <laughs> You're poor.
0: Wait, what, did, uh, what crime was mm, on your
1: cork? Couldn't tell you. It's in the basement.
0: We're going to oh, say God. it was piracy. Yes. yes, Which definitely got you executed, not sent to Australia, but we're going to say it's piracy. <laughs> Montana, what are you doing?
2: <laughs> I'm drinking the uh, spookiest drink of all. Um, I'm drinking a little... Um, I'm drinking a double hydrogen with oxygen.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> that dihydrogen uh, oxide. Sure,
2: yeah, no, I'm drinking a. Oh wait, no, I fuck, I fucked that up. I'm drinking a hydrogen with a double side of oxygen. Of
0: oxygen. Okay, the other the other way around H two O might kill you. Wait, no, wait, uh, it's, it's a double. H2. It's two hydrogen, one oxygen. What, it looks like making yeah. yeah I was right. Water the is time. actually
1: H O H because the hydrogens aren't bonded. It's both of them are bonded to the oxygen.
2: Um. No, I'm trying to be good this week. Uh, Nashville, I just got back from. Uh, I'm kind of recovering from that week, so I'm not trying to...
0: Make some homemade Gatorade, dude.
2: I might just have dump to. Dump a shitload salt of salt water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drink it. Sounds
1: terrible.
0: I am drinking uh, the Distilled Spirits of the Damned from my crew. It's got quite a bite to it.
1: What? What is it? I'm just kidding. I'm also drinking. Okay, I thought so. Right, right that's what I was thinking. But I was very confused. I was like, "What? What kind of brewery is called My
0: Crew?" Distilled spirits of the dam. Well, I
1: thought it was like some fucking pirate themed beer that you found, and I was just really confused.
0: Mm. That would have been (laughs) lovely. (laughs) All right. Anyway, 1680, an anonymous woman in Bristol, England, gives birth to a chubby baby boy who grows up to be one of the most feared men of his time. Very little is known about Edward Teach, or Thatch, goes by both, People did not exactly know how to spell back then. There's actually like, almost a dozen variations of his last name, but I'm gonna call him Teach for most of this. Um, Very little is known about his early life. It's believed he came to the Caribbean as a young man, or even like a boy, and found work as a privateer operating out of Jamaica during the War of Spanish Succession. Mm. Alex? Yes. That's more of your thing.
1: It is. That's when uh, Louis the Sixteenth tried to seize no Fourteenth tried to seize the throne of Spain and combine France and Spain together. But the other European powers wanted to keep the balance of power, so they all gained together and attacked France.
0: And somehow this resulted in a bunch of fighting in the Caribbean. But
1: yeah, they all had colonies over there.
0: Yeah, especially in Jamaica. Interesting, Jamaica. At some point, we were just talking about that. Yeah, Jamaica. Yeah, weren't we? Yeah, we we're talking about them in, in my episode. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. With the Rastafarians. So immediately after the War of Spanish Succession, so the the, the British hired all these privateers, gave them a letter of marquee, or mark, marque. I think it's just mark. I think it's marquee. And, all right, gave him gave him letters that said you can go under <laughs> the Spanish for us. Immediately after the war was over, they rescinded all of that, so mm-hmm. they had all of these guys who had like built up their abilities to make money through piracy legitimately and then they took the legitimacy away and clearly didn't think that would be a bad idea but they basically created their own generation of pirates for like the next 20 years which is kind of hilarious that was late 1600s and the the young men who were a part of that were the big pirates of like the early 1700s
1: you know just a side note to fit into that my episode was like 1650 so this perfectly falls in line with the second era of like the golden age
0: yeah, this is, this is actually intentionally a direct sequel to the Battle of Kombucha. Yes. Compeche. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> All the kombucha. Battle of Kombucha Tea. If you haven't listened to that one, do go back and listen to it. It's, it's totally on theme, and these are really fun episodes to do. But anyway, yes. after the war, Teach came to the island of New Providence, which, while currently the most populous island in the Bahamas, was at the time nothing but a wretched hive of scum and villainy. In reality... The island mm. was only inhabited by like a tent and shanty town of pirates, prostitutes, and basically groupies who lived there in a very transient lifestyle where crews would come. And then there was just some wolf man in the corner, too, and a
2: bunch of guys in Halloween costumes.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the, the cantina st- that they st- had.
1: Oh, fuck. I was so lost. I was thinking Pirates of the Caribbean. and I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs>
0: Wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yeah. Which is very much what it was. It was like. I gotcha. Pretty much an empty island people-wise, except for these crews would come by and drop off there because it was a place to rest in between raids and they weren't attacked there. The first recorded instance of Teach, and he was recorded in this one as Thatch, acting as a pirate has him partnered with British privateer turned pirate, same fucking story, got his card rescinded, so he became a pirate, Benjamin Hornigold, which I'm sure you guys both know his name from Assassin's Creed and all sorts of things. I was going to say, that's like Assassin's Creed, yeah. Uh, This was in 1716. Then, according to an anti piracy report by a British Navy captain, Thatch's crew consisted of a sloop, six guns, and about 70 men, which is how it's written. Guns is spelled like James Gunn's last name, which I thought was funny.
1: Two in. Uh,
0: Yeah. I mean, it was interesting. People just played fast and loose with spelling stuff back then. You read anything (laughs) written in the 1700s, the Damn Declaration of Independence has stuff written in it where it's like, how? <laughs> where did you get that spell? <laughs> but anyway, this coupled with Hornigold's own sloop made them a pretty terrifying dual threat to merchant ships that they plundered because they were operating together so they could, they could double team pretty much anyone they came up with. However, the crews they had at this time were apparently like the pirates were alcoholic to, to a man. But these guys were especially alcoholic and hard to control Because at one point, they attacked a ship called the Betty, robbed it of every drop of wine it had, before sinking it and the rest of its cargo. That's all they took from it. I'm pretty sure they killed the entire crew. (laughs) You lads want to hit up the
2: liquor store.
0: Ah, well, there's a ship over there. That's all we need. (laughs) Right, well, like, they didn't take any provisions or supplies from these guys. They just took booze and then spent, like, the two days after that, getting blisteringly drunk at sea. (laughs) Floating around with, like... And probably raging fucking hangovers after mm-hmm. that. Anyway, uh, another character that you might know from stuff, I know I've run into him in books and stuff before, is Captain Steed Bonnet, or Bonnet, depending on who you ask. Yes, I know him. Right. Teach and Hornigold ran into him during this debaucherous cruise, and uh, Bonnet was a bit of a, a, I would call him a rich fop. Like, literally, he was he was a high-class plantation owner who bought a pirate ship and paid for a crew so that he could become a pirate. Some people say he had what? like financial trouble or he had troubles with his marriage and this was basically a midlife crisis. <laughs> but he was not good at it. Like, he, he was literally like, the, like I'm going to buy my way into having an adventure uh, type of person. Whereas like, Teach grew up as a boy, as a privateer, and now was a uh, captain of a sloop partnered up with you know one of the most famous pirates of his time. This, Teach wasn't even Blackbeard at this point he was just Teach but they run into him and Bonnet's crew is like damn this guy has way more balls than Bonnet does and Bonnet himself was totally fine with it Teach just took his ship
3: and his crew <laughs>
0: his ship was called the Revenge and I think Bonnet became uh, like the first mate or something in set literally cucked him out of a ship and crew <laughs> so now they have three ships which is not shabby at all in terms of these fast shallow draft sleuth. After that, they captured another ship, so they had four, and then Teach and Hornigold ended up splitting ways because Hornigold was still kind of caught in his old ways of he didn't want to attack the British. He still had a soft spot for the old Union Jack, I suppose. And uh, (laughs) Teach wanted to attack the British because he said, fuck them. First of all, Teach was barely British since he came to the Caribbean as a child and he had no loyalty really to one crown or another. So the crew sided with Teach in this disagreement, and in a show of how democratic pirate crews were, actually voted Hornigold out of his captaincy. And uh, Hornigold decided to bow out and retire from his career. So he took two of the ships with him, and Teach took another two ships. So they split the fleet evenly. And Teach started his solo career with the Revenge and one of the other sloops. So he had his uh, Bonnet's old ship with him. So everybody everybody knows like the image of Blackbeard, you know the giant black beard. The ribbons, the smoking fuses tucked under his hat, the, like, giant frame right. and everything. Well, he was... Just a monster of a man. Holy shit. Literally.
1: Don't forget about the tentacles and, like, the, the little green scaly skin.
0: You're thinking of Davy Jones. No,
1: no, no, no That's Blackbeard. <laughs> <laughs> Bla-
0: Blackbeard actually shows up in those movies at a later time.
1: I know.
2: <laughs> Which we'll talk about in the movies part of this theme. <laughs> yes. Uh, we talk about Pirates of the Caribbean.
0: Blackbeard was so fucking frightening that uh, Captain Charles Johnson, who wrote the 1724 book *The General History of the Robberies and Murders of the Most Notorious Pirates*, oh which gosh. is spelled P Y R A T E S, so really pirate yeah, is exactly is what he said.
1: Old English.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, and also I love that their their titles back then are like if there's any blank space on the cover, you didn't write it long enough. <laughs> They're all just OCD. (laughs) I just got to fill the space. It's just ridiculous. It's like a whole chapter. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I have a quote from him that described Teach in full battle regalia as quote, such a figure that imagination cannot form an idea of a fury from hell to look more frightful. So basically, Teach looked like a fucking demon, which is awesome. And it worked. Honestly, Teach is like one of the best examples of early psyops that I've ever seen. He built his reputation. We don't, we don't actually have a record of him personally murdering anyone. His crews killed people, and he killed people with his ships. And I'm I'm not saying he didn't kill. Them. He almost certainly did kill people. But his reputation was right. so scary, most people just fucking surrendered as soon as they saw his flag. Like he was like the the Darth Vader of his time. He would just be like, "Oh, please God, don't hurt me." Do you
1: know what his flag looked like?
0: Um. Yes, I do. I believe his has the like the. Like a horned skeleton with a spear pointing at a heart. I think yeah. that's the right flag for him.
2: It's pretty. Yeah, funny. that's on the. Uh, that's it's it's the picture of the devil holding the spear because it's on uh it's on our Black Rifle coffee. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's the Blackbeard's delight coffee blend. Gotcha. Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored. Well, could be. Honestly, Black Rifle would be an amazing sponsor for us.
0: I, I don't think we are their cup of tea or coffee. <laughs> if they want to give us money I'll take their money so teach outside of being a horrifying appearance was truly a force to be reckoned with during his career which literally spanned 2 years I mean he, he had a, right. a, a a an associates degree length career which is just wild that he's so unbelievably famous he was and was so known
1: only a pirate for 2 years
0: he was only like a solo captain yeah. for two years. What like the he was fuck? a privateer as a, as a teenager right. and then sailing partnered with Hornigold for a bit, but as Blackbeard, like the, the figure he was only active for two years. That's crazy. Plus, I didn't these know. These guys were not active for a long time. This was a, this was a burn bright and burn fast <laughs> <kinda> lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. these are like the, the Motley Crew rock stars. <laughs> wow. In his career. He attacked ships flying from any flag. It did not, he didn't give a flying fuck who you were. He was going to take what he wanted from you. In November of 1717, he took his two sloops, remember this is at the beginning of him working on his own, and double teamed a French slave ship called the La Concorde. Think, you know that scene from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End? Where they go on either side of the, the British ship and just pound the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. And the one like yeah. gross East India guys like walking down the stairs everything gets blown to shit around him. That's basically what they did. They both went on either side and uh shot at him. It probably wasn't as dramatic as the no. Caribbean. The ships were much smaller. I
1: guarantee it was just as dramatic. And then you got the little kraken tentacles seeping up the sides at the same time.
0: Yeah, actually. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. they were aided by a compared to an unknown species of squid that was
2: so and big. Were, and they were battling with swords on the masts as they were going through a world.
1: Right. I'm pretty sure somebody yes. got married while that was going on, too.
2: I think they actually had a camera crew just film
0: that, and that wasn't... They just put <laughs> This... You're both degenerates.
1: <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean is almost my only reference for piracy.
0: That's terrible. I,
1: I've just never been a big pirate person. Uh,
2: Assassin's Creed, Black Flag,
0: for me more that than too. I, well, and Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean but that's got a lot more actual history in it. Yeah. Alex and Blackbeard had tentacles. It's been
1: like eight years since they played that game, though.
0: The important part of this story is that they captured the La Concorde, which was, a, uh, it was called a guinea man because it was a slave ship that would take slaves from the Guinea coast. But it was a huge vessel. This was not the like small, shallow sloops that pirates usually had. This was a giant vessel designed to carry as, basically as many human beings as possible to the New World, so it had a horrible, horrible fucking purpose. So I would argue it got repurposed into something better, even though you know, <laughs> rape and pillage yeah. isn't exactly a great thing, but it's better than the slave trade. They converted the La Concorde into one of the largest pirate vessels of the t- of the day. That, like when I say, like their sloops were small vessels; they were small. They had like fourteen to sixteen cannons at most. You know, and more people on them than they would normally have because it. They crammed guys in there just so they could swarm ships that they caught up to. Right. But they were totally into, like, fast, shallow game, for the most part, until Blackbeard got this ship. What were you saying, Alex?
1: So, the Concorde was a slave ship, and they turned it into, like, a pirating ship?
0: The Concorde was the first name of the Queen Anne's Revenge.
1: I don't know the Queen Anne's Revenge.
0: That is Blackbeard's ship. Gotcha, okay. Like Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon, Blackbeard and the Queen Anne's Revenge. Except the Queen Anne's Revenge was a fucking pirate battleship. It had 40 fucking cannons on it. (laughs) It was more than double almost all the other pirate ships of the time. And it was like, it was a a deep water vessel. It was actually like, he was like, even like heavily armed large merchant ships could just be battered into submission with this thing. Right. It was, yeah.
1: Because, like, you got to think about the slaver ships running from, like, west coast of Africa to the Caribbean. They had to be designed to withstand, like, big-ass storms in the middle of the Atlantic. So you think about how mm-hmm. thick that hole probably is. I bet Cannonball is like, actually just bounced off of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, it probably depends on the size of the Cannonball. But, yeah. Now, he, he took that thing and immediately became, like, a fucking just dick-swinging... <laughs> force to be reckoned with and he actually he so i mean you mentioned the atlantic but he actually was more of a scourge up and down the coast of the american colonies yes
1: i know this part
0: yes and uh at the height of his power he had captured so i know he's had two sloops and captures the queen anne's revenge then he captures more vessels loses vessels captures whatever our top estimate for where he peaked was five ships an armada,
1: <laughs>
0: and he was commanding somewhere between 400 and 500 men. That's crazy. Wow. He literally he stopped calling himself Captain Teach and promoted himself to Commodore.
1: <laughs> which, like,
0: to be fair, he was commanding an armada. Yeah. He could call himself Commodore at that point. He's That's like, crazy. I, he would go by Commodore Teach. I am the Commodore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, who, who's going to fucking tell him no, for Christ's
2: sake. <laughs> So, did he ever, was he ever, like, referred to as Blackbeard during his career, or was that just, like, a name given later?
0: I mean, he was given, he was called Blackbeard during his career, and I honestly, I don't know if he referred to himself as Blackbeard, but yeah, he was known, he was known as Blackbeard. Gotcha. Yeah, but to himself, he maybe he called himself Commodore Blackbeard, or just Commodore Beard. I don't (laughs) don't know what, how he referred to himself, aside from his rank. But Henceforth you shall be known as Commodore Beard. <laughs> Commodore Beard. I almost not his voice sounded so weird when he says that.
1: I mean, I think that's the point. It's like the the dark side of the Force coming through him.
0: Cool. Glad we were able to tie back to Star Wars again. Of course. I think that's just a tradition. Yeah. Yes. This is just a... We, we, we uh, pulled a quickie on everyone. This is actually just a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. I would say the the biggest dick energy move that Blackbeard ever exhibited, which is the official term that historians use for it, is when he took this armada of four hundred to five hundred men and blockaded an entire city. Nice. Which was Charlestown, South Carolina. Hell yeah. Which was actually called Charles Space Town back then. Really? Charles is yes, all the it wasn't even Charles's town it was just Charles one word town the next word that's the name that's well, what I the mean like, documents call documents if out. it's
1: a name that ends in an S the apostrophe goes after so it probably is still showing like ownership of the town oh, okay, to Charles yeah.
0: Charles 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 Chuck was they called it uh, Chucky's neighborhood <laughs> even though that's actually longer <laughs> so Blackbeard held this entire city hostage for almost a week and he as he was sitting in their harbor, he raided no less than 9 ships that happened to pass by that part of the coast <laughs> nice <laughs> like i tell you he was like a dominant force he was terrifying he even one of these uh, ships had a uh, bunch of rich south carolinian passengers they they're like like not nobles per se but i guess like colonial nobles like high high class people who were going somewhere he captures them all holds them hostage and then sends a message to the governor that says I'm going to give you their fucking heads in a bag if you don't give me what I want. Jesus. And all the ships that he'd been uh, raiding, Tim so he had like nine extra merchant vessels. And he said, if you don't give me what I want, not only will I send you all these people's heads, I will burn all of these ships to the water line in your bay. So he would just wreak havoc and destruction all over the water. And what he wanted was very interesting because he wasn't asking for food, drink, women, not even money, weapons, jewels, nothing like that. Wow, he wanted medicine. And the theory is that syphilis or gonorrhea was so rampant in his crews, it was affecting their ability to sail. So he needed medicine for them.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: literally it was like we all oh have my God.
1: I just like imagine Blackbeard standing the at the master's ship like yelling to the shore making his demands and everybody behind him is just like itching their junk it was like
3: please please give it to us
0: I mean if you think about it though like the level of personal hygiene <laughs> and sex education back then was they were both very low mm-hmm. and if your option was I can either have dirty, unprotected sex with this woman, or I can wear a sheep intestine for a condom. What would you go with?
1: I've never tried a sheep intestine, so... That wasn't the right answer. (laughs) 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 That
0: was a test, and you have failed. (laughs) Sheep fucker. (laughs) I heard the excitement in your voice. (laughs) Big fucker. Montana, what do you choose? Choose
2: wisely. Uh, I think, Noah, you know, gun to my head, this is a hard one. Uh, I think I'd have sex with a woman.
0: Not with a, like, a sheep's asshole wrapped around your head. Hey, we never said it was the, the asshole window. part. I'm the good. intestine's, like, 25 you know, miles I'm, long. I'm, I'm good.
2: They're <laughs> not I'm 25 mm-hmm. miles no, you, long, You dude.
1: pick, you unravel the whole thing, you pick the less poopiest piece, at the very top, you trim it. <laughs> uh, uh.
0: <laughs> that also Just brings up anal, the fact then. that intestines Just are, anal. they're too, yeah. Montana, you think doing dirty, unprotected anal is going to be safer? <laughs> <laughs> We're not I'm worried about safer, babies. We're worried, worried about syphilis and two. gonorrhea. <laughs> I mean... It's okay. I think Alex is going to butcher a sheep and not even try like, <laughs> it out. <laughs> He's just going to rip out a piece like a monster and tie the top off and hope I'll it's right. not good enough.
1: I'll grab the liver and be like, is this what I'm looking for? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> oh, damn it. Anyway, I can do it Anyway, anyway, any way we can think of, I can bring it
1: back. Montana would climb inside the sheep that I'm butchering and say that.
0: Montana would climb inside the sheep and be like, what, what's poking me? <laughs>
1: Alex! Shut up, I'm looking.
0: Anyway, if you choose, speaking about fiction, if you choose to believe the novel On Stranger Tides by Tim Powers, which I know I've mentioned before, but I like a lot. Blackbeard actually did this because the black tobacco contained in the medicine chest gave him a powerful voldun ability that could ward off ghosts that would attack him as he traveled to the Fountain of Youth. Which is, it's just fun. But it's fun that they tied it into this real scenario at the time. Because they kind of mention it as an aside in the book. They don't go into the scenario. But it is funny that it actually did happen. It's a good book. You should check it out. Hmm. Anyway, outside of books and movies and whatnot, where does Blackbeard's life get paranormal? Because after all, this isn't just a crime episode. We are talking about ghosts and spirits and demons. And the answer is right after. I'm like Right after his life ended, if the legends are to believe, shit got weird. Like, directly after. Let me set the stage for you. It's late November, 1718. The Queen Anne's Revenge, as well as all of his fleet besides a final sloop, has been wrecked or... Beached in various places. Some people say Blackbeard did that on purpose, like intentionally ran the Queen Anne's Revenge aground to cut down on how many people he had in his crew, so they didn't <laughs> have to split the spoils as much. Because I mean, nice. at that point, figure you're splitting your profits among 400 people, you're not getting a big share. Yeah. Anyway, he was on a single sloop called the Adventure, and I guess that downgrades him back to captain from commodore. <laughs>
1: It's a good name for a ship.
0: Yes, it is. There was two ships pursuing him, called the Ranger and the Jane, which were both led by British Royal Navy Lieutenant Robert Maynard. Which is interesting because my grandma's old cat's name was Maynard too. Really, but, lead uh, singer
1: Tool's yeah. name. That I was
0: just about yeah. to say that. Maybe they're all related: Robert Maynard, the cat, and the lead singer of Tool.
1: James Maynard,
0: definitely a direct descendant of him <laughs> So. They caught up to the ad- adventure amidst the shoals and sandbars off of Ocracoke Island, North Carolina.
2: I've been there. Yeah?
1: Is it part of well, the Outer Banks?
2: Yeah, we've, that's yeah. actually where we went last time because my dad wanted to be where... That's through, super cool. Uh, yeah, lived and everything. He had
0: a house there. Mm, and people still go looking for his treasure hmm. out there. Oh. He more than okay. a house there, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Apparently, Lieutenant Maynard... They catch up to his ship, they're within shouting distance of each other, and Lieutenant Maynard gives Blackbeard some kind of offer of surrender, which Blackbeard responds to with, and I quote, Damnation seize my soul if I give you a quarter, or take any from you. Which, Mm. first of all, when I read that, I literally heard it in Barbosa's voice, because it's so (laughs) fucking perfect, and it is just the best fantastic old-fashioned, like, fuck you and your offer that I've ever seen. So anyway, the fight was on. He literally said, no fucking quarter. I will kill you or you will kill me. The adventure, surprisingly for a small sloop, absolutely ass-clapped the two British ships with a broadside, killed like 30 men in one go. Just nice. Like, to kick it right off. And that was damn near a third of the men that Maynard had brought with him. So he had to close in the fight and get it in close and dirty because if they kept going on cannon for cannon, he wasn't doing too hot. Luckily for Maynard, the adventure ran aground on one of those sandbars, and the line holding one of their sails was shot through. which it, it just crippled them. They weren't going anywhere. So he had a dead-in-the-water ship to attack. However, the Jane also ran aground, so it, it was chaotic and nobody was doing very well. <laughs> the whole fight transitions to the deck of the adventure when the Royal Marines boarded her. Oh God! The fighting was fierce. There were small arms, swords, clubs, axes, and whatever heavy object around could kill a man with. And it, I'm trying not to drift into Alex territory, but it was an epic battle. <laughs> According to the legend, which of course I believe wholeheartedly, the fighting revolved around the two leaders, fighting it out in a true epic climactic style. Blackbeard and Maynard dueled fiercely. It's said that Blackbeard looked like a fucking demon out of hell, refusing to slow down even after Maynard shot him in the chest from nearly point-blank range. Because apparently like they saw each other through the fight and both pulled out their pistols, Blackbeard Fires, misses, Maynard's doesn't, which to be fair, it's like smoothbore flintlocks. he probably end up shooting one of his own guys on accident. <laughs> but Blackbeard takes a ball to the chest and just keeps going. During the duel, he keeps taking hits. Like we're talking like like video game boss level damage and he's just continuing to go.
2: Wow.
0: Uh, some sources have it saying that he was shot at least five times and had upwards of 20 sword cuts during this fight that did not stop him. Wow. So... He's getting butchered and he's not slowing down. However, he's fighting with this huge, heavy cutlass, and the British officer sword is a lot more ornate. And he actually snapped the blade straight through. Huh. So Maynard is there with a stump of a sword against this guy that he's already poured like poisonous levels of lead into. <laughs> and he's not stopping. Blackbeard raises his sword to just chop off Maynard's head. And one of Maynard's Marines swings a pike into Blackbeard's neck from behind. Oh, shit. Dirty move, but. Yeah, I was going to say.
1: I mean, he's a pirate. The pirates, he's a pirate, yeah. and
0: also, it's honor in battle is stupid. You're supposed to just kill the other guy. So <laughs> I don't, I don't fault him for that. Especially because, like, his commanding officer was about to get decapitated by, you know, Thanos. So <laughs> he went for the head. He went for the <laughs> head. Did that swing kill him? No, it didn't. It took a second swing, on top of all of the rest of that to actually kill him and slice through his neck and take his head off. Like, it's unbelievable, the, the, like the passion of Blackbeard that went down in this fight, the amount of shit he took. I can do this all day. <laughs> I literally... <laughs> this is where our first taste of the paranormal steps into this story. Blackbeard's head was hung from the bowsprit of the ship as a grizzly trophy. We all, I think we've all seen that picture that was drawn of his, like, Decapitate Grosshead head and they like sailed back in with it there as proof that they'd killed him Yeah, but they didn't need the body so they tossed the headless corpse into the water however as soon as the corpse hit the surface blackbeard's voice was heard come on edward the mangled head swinging from the bowsprit roared somehow without lungs the headless body swam around the ship three times maybe trying to find a way to climb back on board before it sank beneath the surface. Now, that understandably shook everyone there, but the story was out. Something spooky had gone down. Now, this area near Crook was known even then as Teach's Hole, because of how often he liked to hang out there. I don't want any jokes about Teach's Hole.
1: I think he said hold, damn it.
0: No, no, hole, like an asshole. Gotcha. He liked to hang out there to attack ships and to just literally <laughs> hang out. The reason they were there when Maynard caught up to them is they had just finished a like multi-day rager with other pirates where they just went out there and got shit faced and they had like some weird DJs and shit and yeah I'm sure he tried acid and stuff it was a really formative time of his life (laughs) (laughs) the area is still known as Teach's Hole to this day Uh and it's possible that it's known that way because he still hangs out there Mm -hmm. many mariners who find themselves in these waters have reported seeing a phenomenon that's known locally as Teach's Light which is an eerie, glowing figure that swims in a circle just beneath the surface, just as his body did right before it sank below. Is this Blackbeard's spirit trapped in the final spiral of his headless corpse? Even more chilling, if it rains heavily enough in the area, you can, be, you can hear Teach himself ragefully screaming into the storm, Where's my head? Wow. Which, if I heard that, I'd piss myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be, I would be like, oh, sweet, a ghost. And then I'd be like, holy shit, that's a so ghost of a monster. So you
1: would piss in Teach's Hole.
0: There it is. <laughs> I was waiting for one of you miscreants to do that. <laughs> yes, I would piss in Teach's Hole. <laughs> and then I'd probably get, like, chopped up by Teach's Light or something. <laughs> now, south of Ocracoke is Topsail, which is still South Carolina, but it's a different island. And it was a famous ambush area of teaches. He would often wait in one of the inlets because the island is very irregularly shaped. There's lots of places for a ship to slip into. And as soon as he saw a merchant ship pass, it spring into action, blow out their sails, and chase them down. Now it's been reported by fishing boats, some of them small enough to just be like two-man vessels, that sometimes when they pass topsail, their radar shows a blip in one of the inlets that does not correspond to any vessels or low-lying clouds. This radar contact then aggressively pursues the boat gaining on them all the way from the mouth of the inlet, and just before it reaches contact, it disappears. Could this be one of Blackbeard's ships still trying to raid prizes 300 years later? I don't know. Maybe radar can protect ghosts. Maybe it can't. I don't fucking know. But this is going to be a seamless segue into our next topic.
1: Hey, before we move on, it could be weather balloons. Just saying.
0: Could be. God, it's always weather balloons. The- Invisible...
1: Mm-hmm. S- Sea
0: surface level weather balloons that chase people.
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: Frankly, a ghost ship is more believable than that. (laughs) Our next topic are some rather famous ghost ships. Ooh. Oh, yes. Because what's as iconic as a ghost pirate captain? It is a ghost ship. I agree. Oh, yes. Our first ghost ship that we are going to tackle is called the Young Teaser. In order to get to the young teaser, we have to we have to take a bit of a departure from the time and location of Blackbeard,
2: okay?
0: Let's jump about 100 years forward and many hundreds of miles north to 1813 to the coast of Nova Scotia, Canada. Ooh. Ah. Alex, why is that important? Come on. Why is
1: 1813? Oh, the war of 1812 just ended.
0: Yeah, no, it was still going.
1: So, did it? Really?
0: Oh, shit. It wasn't the war of just 1812. It just started in 1812.
1: You know, honestly, I haven't actually studied the war of 1812 since 10th grade, so I don't think I ever realized
0: that. God damn it. Should I ask Montana? Montana, <laughs> why is it important? I got the
1: answer right. Fuck you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't fucking
0: know. I, I would have been like a uh, French Canadian. Well, this actually at this point, Canada was that part of Canada was British, mm-hmm. I believe. British Canadian because
1: though well, all of Canada was, I believe. Because after the uh, the war, uh, the Seven Years' War, all of French Canada was ceded to French and Indian War. Well, that was part of the Seven Years' War. Um, that was
0: the part that had to do with Canada,
1: I mean, yeah, but like Seven Years' War was really the first world war because like it encompassed fighting in Germany, the Americas, the Caribbean, and India. Um, but like, yeah, after that war, all of Canada was ceded to the British from the French.
0: Hey, you hear that? We got a regular Dan Carlin over here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that backstory. You're welcome. Yes, this is British Canada now in 1813. And, interestingly enough, the War of 1812 brought back privateering because America needed to hound the British so they said, fuck it, we are giving people letters of marks. So these are American privateers now. America is an established country at this point. It wasn't before in our last story but now it is. So these are Red, white, and blue flying privateers. God damn it! God, I'd love to have that job. <laughs> Redneck privateers. <laughs> well, these guys were actually out of like New York, so they would have been like fucking New Yorkies as privateers. Oh, God, I can't even imagine that.
2: <laughs> you mess with one of us, you get all of us. <laughs> what am I quoting? Somebody. And yeah, they're all from like Brooklyn. No, I'm quoting. I was quoting Spider Man.
0: No, I know, I know. Okay.
1: You know, honestly, the only American privateer I know is Perry. That's his name, right? He
0: wasn't a privateer. He he? was a naval officer. But he
1: was raiding the British coast, wasn't he? In the Revolution?
0: Perry was in the War of 1812. Okay. You are thinking of... What's his name? uh, John Paul Jones.
1: John, yeah, I'm thinking of John Paul Jones. Okay, I guess I know, too.
0: I don't think officially had a letter of Mark. I think he was just basically a pirate on our side.
1: Well, whatever, I'll take it. <laughs> well,
0: John Paul Jones is like the father of the American Navy. That's what he's considered to be. Gotcha. One of and he's the was keyboardist
1: for Led Zeppelin.
0: I thought John Paul Jones was a,
2: uh...
0: oh yeah, I was Motherfucker, thinking... he's from Led Zeppelin. My
2: Led God, Zeppelin. I, was thinking of, uh, I was thinking of just, I was thinking of the Beatles, I'm wrong. Wow. Father of the American it, Navy, John me. Lennon. Ignore me, I, I should know better. <laughs> I knew it was Led Zeppelin or Beatles, and I
0: picked wrong. <laughs> you should know better, Mister <laughs> Musician. I know. That actually, that that does that's a nice segue into our next story, Captain Ringo Starr. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. Let's jump into the young teaser here. The young teaser is an American sloop, or was an American sloop, who hounded British merchant vessels coming out of the mouth of the Halifax River in Nova Scotia. This is a private schooner which was converted to carry guns and unleashed on the British by a New York businessman who basically wanted to make money off the war. So, you are, capitalism. <laughs> it was captained by William D. Dobson, and Frederick Johnson was his first lieutenant. Led by these two men, the teaser proved to be a thorn in the side of the British. Dobson's balls must have dragged on the deck while he walked around.
1: <laughs> I'm just- yeah, had to do, like, a, hunters, like a sumo power walk because his balls yes. were just, like, spreading his legs. <laughs> the shit that
0: they pulled off in their career was nuts. The 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 thinnest of lines that they were escaping by. It was, like, the, the width of a pube hair that they were getting <laughs> by with. It was ridiculous because there's not even... And there's a lot of spaces in that area to hide a ship, but they were going up against, like, British ships of the line and just, like, whoop, and, like, slipping past them all the time. mm mm-hmm. It was, it was ridiculous. One time, they were cornered in a bay by a British warship, but they pulled out of view just long enough to run down their flag and throw up a British flag, and then they slipped out with the merchant traffic right past the ship that was trying to blockade the harbor. Damn. People. I mean, that's like literally like some Millennium Falcon. That's, level, li- that, I that's all there. I was
1: thinking. They're yeah. just hiding it's, on the back of the, the bridge. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: like they did that with a fucking sailboat.
1: That's crazy. For
0: Christ's sake. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. But their adventurous career of Canadian privateering was cut short in the June of 1813. The privateer schooner had been pursued by the HMS Le Hogue, which is weird because they have a Le Hogue name, but it was a British ship.
1: How's it spelled?
0: Uh, L <clears throat> A space H O G U E. Maybe it's Hoagie. Maybe it's a sandwich.
1: It sounds like Dutch. It's weird.
0: Yeah, I think it's named after a battle that happened like a hundred years before this, and the. Anglo-Dutch war. Is with.
1: That would make sense. Was oh, there an Anglo-Dutch? We talked about it last week or last episode. Yeah.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. That's that's what that that that. Yes. <laughs> Mind the stroke I just had. <laughs> you got a lot of those today, buddy. It's all. It's it's. You the really have. Mm. Stop of stroking. Of <laughs> I know. I'm, and, I must be going into uh, withdrawal. And teach
1: his whole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Stop
1: stroking. And teach his hole. Uh,
0: uh, okay. All right. Anyway. So anyway, <laughs> the HMS La Pierogi, and uh, it was a third rate 74 gun ship of the line. So, this is the biggest ship we've talked about so far, by far. They were chasing the young teaser for two weeks, and it had been an absolute game of cat and mouse all up and down the Nova Scotian coast, where the ship of the line would occasionally catch sight of them and pursue them, but they'd lose them in fog or in. Different parts of the coastline it it was they were definitely under pressure at this point because these guys were committed to bringing them down hmm. Now, The Hogue partnered up with the h m s Orpheus, which was an Apollo class frigate. <laughs> I don't really know how large that is, but I thought it was a cool ship name. They cornered the teaser in Mahone Bay. The two British ships hammered the schooner with cannons, probably just out of spite from how long it had taken them to catch up to them.
1: <laughs> oh. All I'm sitting here thinking though is. Reminds me of Morpheus, and then the one before Matrix. The, yeah, like the Orpheus sounds like Morpheus. Fair. <laughs> was, uh, Orpheus, I think, was
2: from. He was. He went to. He went to uh, Hades, didn't he? To the underworld. In uh,
0: some mythology, I think.
1: That's way more your. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, and then have you guys? I mean, to be
0: fair, I thought this was the guy who fucked his mom until I realized that was Edipus. <laughs> <yeah. laughs>
1: Have you guys had pierogies before? No, I've not. fucking love pierogies. They're usually like they're like these little noodle wraps that have potato and cheese inside them. They're French. They're so fucking good.
0: They are not French. They are French. I'm Googling this right Google now. Google it right now. I've never now. had a pierogi, but I know it's not I French. I think pierogi is
2: actually like Russian or something.
0: I thought it was white. Yeah. I'm it's 90% nice. sure it's French. 90% sure you're wrong. Um what does Wikipedia have to say? <laughs> They're from... It just says, region of origin as Central Europe, Eastern Europe, and Southeastern Europe. <laughs> <What the> fuck? <laughs> uh, that narrows her down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Origin legends. Uh, one legend relates that Hayek Hei- of Poland visited Kosolokieck, and in his visit, a storm destroyed all the crops. He told everyone to pray. Crops rose back up. And as a sign of gratitude, people invented the pierogi from the crops for Saint Hyacinth. Oh, so he's this guy's a saint, hmm. and he fed people only pierogies during an entire famine. Poland.
1: Hmm. Poland's pretty close to France.
0: <laughs> I don't. It, we're not going. we this. We're not rabbit I, We. The I famine, love
1: rabbit holing into pierogi land. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Congratulations, we're a cuisine podcast. Now.
1: <laughs> I could do one of those.
2: Yeah, Poland is pretty close to France. Just ask Hitler.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Just go right, then you go left. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Look, they were just trying to go get some pierogies, bro. It was not there. They were out at the store yeah. and that was why Hitler. They, they, and they went and got some yeah, pierogies were-
1: and then they're like, you know what would go great with these French fries. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Good <laughs> lord, God. we're so. You ever that. go? You ever go to the grocery store and accidentally commit massive genocide, and create a world war? Man, oh. we, are, we are far. Anyway, are anyway. Far
2: down the teach hole right now. Let's keep going back.
0: <laughs> yes, we're, we're. I'm pulling. I'm pulling out a teach's hole to get back to this. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so the teaser is trapped in Mahone Bay. They've been pounded with cannons by these two British ships, and they're pretty much sitting, like, smoking in the water. They're not good. Once the British were convinced that the ship was totally debilitated, they put a five-boat boarding party in the water. And remember, this is 1812, so they're rowing forward. These aren't, like, ribs or anything, or they can just on over. So there's a little bit of distance to get there. But that meant that the men on the teaser got to slowly watch as the British approached them pretty much helplessly. Now, do you guys remember that I mentioned Lieutenant Frederick Johnson, who was Captain Dobson's right-hand man? Yeah. Yes. Turns out, Johnson had already been a POW of the British earlier in the war and had been released basically on a parole thing where he said, (laughs) like, stop attacking us, please, and we'll let you go. Hmm. The thing is, if he was recaptured, they kill him. Everyone else would be taken as prisoners of war because they were sanctioned privateers, so they're basically like enemy combatants. Yeah, not pirates. Which, whatever, it's the same function. But Johnson would be hung, right? Because he had broken his parole. So while everyone else was looking at the possibility of admittedly unpleasant like prison camps in the early eighteen hundreds, Johnson was looking at the end of the rope. And he wasn't stupid. He knew that they weren't going to be able to repel this boarding party. The crew had been reduced only thirty-eight men because they kept leaving guys on prize ships that they captured to take them home. So the, they kept parsing out a handful of guys each as skeleton crews to take these ships back to America. So the, the, they were a skeleton crew themselves at this point. So they, it was inevitable. There was no fight that was going to end with Johnson surviving this. Right. And that fact kind of broke his fucking brain, and he went mad with fear. Captain Dobson is talking to the crew, trying to come up with a plan to fight off the approaching British, when Johnson. Just, you know, wide-eyed and frenzies, grabs some hot embers and rushes below Jex to the powder magazine. <laughs>
1: what the fuck?
0: Yep. Before the British could even reach her, the teaser exploded with massive <laughs> fireball. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Johnson's suicidal last act reduced the ship to splintered and burning timbers and killed 30 of his own men. Very, very much including himself. He was pretty much vaporized.
1: Did anybody survive, though? Yes. Okay. There
0: was eight survivors, and they were picked up by the coastal residents because the British refused to go near the burning wreckage. Mm. But the residents turned them back over to the British, so they spent the rest of the war in a POW camp. So, Mm. not the happiest ending for them, but they at least did not die because Johnson decided that he was going to go out with a fucking hurrah. Following the Mahone Bay incident, all was quiet in the region. There's not a lot of privateering going on right there because of you know, that dramatic ending. And then, nearly a year later to the day of the anniversary, locals around the bay saw the terrifying specter of a burning ship careening across the water, much like you know this privateer had done after it had been shot to hell. Mm. The ghastly vessel sped across the bay before disappearing in a ghostly blast of smoke and flame. And since that first sighting, Literally hundreds of people have seen this happen. It is like a local accepted phenomenon called the teaser light. (laughs) It's one of the most famous ghost ships in Canadian lore. Mm. It's always seen near the end of June, which was when the teaser exploded, and is often seen by multiple people at once. People out on the water, on boats, say the teaser actually attempts attempts to ram them before either exploding or disappearing. On top of that, because you know, what reduce, reuse, recycle. <laughs> the locals use the wood from the wreckage to actually build up parts of the town. Did they? Mm. Yeah, they. The local church's cross is actually made from the deck boards that's of spooky. the teaser. Can't
2: fuck with the yeah, ghost I, ship. Can't fuck
0: with. The, dude, I'm like, just saying. I'm sure that teach cross is haunted, but it's probably the most like macabre, cool looking historical church. <laughs> Mm. You know, it's an old the, Canadian church, so it's just wooden.
1: The Church of Bones in Italy, is, I think, takes that oh, crown. That's fair.
0: Yeah. I really thought that uh, Notre Dame's go at being the human torch was. Kind of <laughs> oh, sorry. Dear that was Lord. pretty insensitive. That was national <coughs> landmark for the yeah. French. I apologize. But no,
1: see, I'm just picturing, you said it's just like kind of an accepted thing that happens. I'm just picturing like this Canadian dude in Nova Scotia driving home at night and he looks over into the bay and he's like, oh. Pretty bright ship out there tonight, and just keeps on driving. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it exploded! Must have been the teaser. It just keeps going. An actual ship explodes, and they just ignore it because they. Can't it
1: going. <laughs> Man, that ghost ship's really sticking around for a while, ain't it? Oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the screams sound especially realistic tonight.
1: They don't usually scream that loud.
0: <laughs> good lord! I'm glad this Canadian is like Polish?
1: Ugh. I'm not good at accents.
0: He was eating a pie. Uh, yes, God, uh, this makes me hungry. Um, also, not only did they make the town cross church, they built a house out of the wreckage. <laughs> that fucker oh, is haunted. <laughs> and with no, without a doubt, that is considered by locals to be the town's ghost. <laughs> there is multiple unexplained footsteps, knocks, and ghostly noises all over, and it's just known. Like, See. The crew haunts that I'm house. just
1: picturing this motherfucker, like, he takes a little paddle boat out there, and he's dragging wood back onto the beach, and all the, the townspeople are just watching him like, he's gonna die, <laughs> just <laughs> watching him build this house out of so You want ghosts?
0: Because that's how you get ghosts.
1: <laughs> yeah. They're just, like, everybody's taking bets on how long until they hear him scream in the middle of the night, and then he's gone. The house explodes. <laughs> There's a gas leak.
0: This place is always getting gas leaks. It's constantly exploding in June. (laughs) So, what do you guys think? Do you think the souls of these poor privateers are still attached to the bay and roaming it on the anniversary of their death? Or do you think they're linked to the wreckage of the boards themselves? Oh, it's in the, the wood wherever it goes. Dude, I watched. Yeah. You think it's the board? You
2: need a talisman. You have to have something that connects you to it to the real
0: world.
1: <laughs>
0: That's a fair point. I know they did a lot of research on that show and definitely didn't just reference like Tumblr blogs to write the plot. <laughs> so I'm sure they. <laughs> Caitlin's out it gonna really murder
1: well. you if she ever sees you. Uh, <laughs> I remember this.
0: We used to watch Supernatural. It had though? a good first season. It had a good first season. I'll give it that. But that was like a decade ago. It
2: was longer than that. It was like fifteen years. It came out in two thousand five.
1: It's still like the last season Good just Lord. aired.
2: Yeah, they they just finally finished. Have you seen the two guys who still play the? Guy? They they look old. Well,
0: yeah. Their audience
2: now was probably born when it first came out. <laughs> oh yeah, there's still a rabid fan base for
0: Supernatural. There is, yeah. That's wild. Experience anyway, firsthand. Talking about more of the spookier Supernatural and not the. Copyrighted CW Supernatural. <laughs> we would be remiss if we talked about ghost ships and did not mention, you know, drum roll, please. Mm, the curse of the, the black flying girl. Dutchman. Damn it. No, <laughs> the Flying Dutchman. Of course. Of course. I mean, this is this is like the black beard of Ghost Ships. Everybody knows the name, of the Flying Dutchman, <laughs> in you know, good part to being uh in the Pirates of the Caribbean. But. The ghastly apparition of the Flying Dutchman has actually been terrifying superstitious sailors since the 1600s, well, and Davey they've got Jones a whole locker. hell of a lot more. That's
1: what I was just thinking about. Where does that come from? Did we talk about that?
0: Uh, no, I didn't bring that up, but I think uh, that refers more to like the ocean itself.
3: Uh, like when the... you go
0: to Davy Jones' locker, you you drowned. There isn't huh. like the like alternate reality where how do we bring back Jack Sparrow after we killed him at the end of the last movie? That wasn't really a part of the, the lore, I believe.
1: Honestly, I forgot that part was a thing.
0: That's why they go there.
1: I, see, I didn't even remember them going there. Now you say it, I remember it, but again, it's been like 10 or 15 years so since in, I've seen in those legend, movies. Legend,
0: is Davy Jones the captain of the Flying Dutchman, or is that just drama, drama, uh, No, Davy Jones, the legend of Davy Jones, which we're actually not going to go into in this episode because it's kind of, it's not nearly as cool as the movies. He's more of, Probably related to an actual figure who sailed the seas, who did not have tentacles, Alex. But the (laughs) the character of him as the captain of the Flying Dutchman, that is a Pirates of the Caribbean construct. Okay. Which is such a good, he's such a good character in that I love him. But yeah, he's actually not related to the Flying Dutchman. Gotcha. Actually, I actually wrote that in here. I said a Cthulhu-looking lovesick captain is not a part of the story. (laughs) Part of the ship, part of the crew.
1: Cthulhu, exactly. we bring up, uh, what's his face again? <laughs>
0: Fucking uh, Lovecraft. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like
1: Star Wars and Lovecraft every episode.
0: Yep. Yes. What a lovely mix. <laughs> Back to the Dutchman. In actuality, the supposed captain of this tale was a Dutch merchant named Captain Hendrik van der Decken, mm. who worked in the employ of the Dutch East India Trading Company. Or just Dutch East India Company. Sorry. I'm just so used to saying the other one. Uh, he and his crew were scouting the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa for a yeah. place to put a settlement for ships to shelter from bad weather as they went around Africa. Ironically enough, they became victims of that same bad weather. Now, the reports on this are different. Either Captain Von der Decken was drunk or mad or both. <laughs> I like to settle on both because I, I think it's the best for the story. His reaction to his ship being caught in the midst of an absolute monster of a storm, like the ship was rattling and going to fall apart, was nuts either way. He decided to light his pipe and smoke and sing, quote, obscene songs and throw back beer. (laughs) Not allowing his crew to turn back, even as they pleaded with him for their own safety. And when 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 they got to the point of begging him to please turn the ship around, we are going to die, he spat a, quote, blasphemous oath and swore he'd get around the cape if it took him till doomsday, which maybe he shouldn't have said. Mm. But the crew wasn't about to die just to get around the cape, so they mutinied in the midst of the storm. So The lead mutineer comes at the captain, but Van Der drew a pistol. Remember, he is drunk and smoking God knows what at this point, <laughs> and blows a golf ball-sized hole in the man's face. <laughs> the captain just chucks the corpse overboard, pulls his gun out, turns back, or pulls a second gun out, and turns to the crew of mutineers, but before he could fire his second pistol, what happens? But a voice booms from the sky itself. Now, sources differ on what exactly the actual voice of God said to this Dutchman, because also the name the Flying Dutchman is actually referring to the captain, because he was this evil Dutchman. He was a cruel, monstrous guy. Oh, makes sense. Yeah, so kind of interesting. But yeah. it, since then, the, the name is kind of transposed onto the ship itself. But right. originally, the flying Dutchman was seeing the captain himself. So anyway, God himself steps into the tale. <laughs> and God has entered the chat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One version of the story has God basically calling and stubborn while another, which is slightly more researched, I'll give it credence, has him asking the mad captain, quote, if he intended to go into the bay that night. So basically, do you want to sink? Vanderdecken's response was literally insolent on biblical levels. He retorted with, May I be eternally damned if I do, though I should beat a bound here until the day of judgment and then pointed his gun at the sky to <laughs> shoot God with a fucking flintlock. <laughs> he, he was a cruel bastard of a captain, but holy shit, did he have some cojones on him. Wow. Like, imagine having irrefutable proof that God exists because he speaks to you, and your reaction is to tell him to fuck off and try to shoot him. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. This guy belongs <laughs> on a, a Porch somewhere in West Virginia, not on the deck of a ship. <laughs> Points the gun at the sky and the pistol explodes in his hand before he could fire, which those guns kind of exploded sometimes anyway, mm. but I'd like to think that God said, no, fuck you, and blew it up so he couldn't shoot at him. Because even God doesn't want a golf ball sized ball hurtling at him. And the voice thunders out a final time. It says, you are condemned to sail the oceans for eternity with a ghostly crew of dead men bringing death to all who sight your spectral ship and never make port or know a moment's peace. Furthermore, gale gall shall be your drink and hot red iron your meat. That's all a quote from God himself.
1: God rhymes, too, like a pirate. How interesting. I saying,
0: <laughs> you don't get rhymes, but none of that rhymes. That did Antana, rhyme! Mr. Musician, yeah, that was, did any of those words that rhyme? Was,
2: that was more poetic, I guess, but it was not rhyming.
1: It felt like it <laughs> rhymed.
2: Um... I was gonna say this actually sounds like the this is like the pirate version of the Ghost Riders in the Sky, the country ballad. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, where they're condemned mm. to ride forever,
0: and uh, it's yeah. this is kind of this is kind of there's back. a lot of good tales of people being condemned to stay in their vehicles forever. Mm. <laughs> One day God's gonna like boom out over Atlanta and just be like you are condemned to stay in rush hour traffic for eternity. <laughs> but nothing's going to change because that's what their traffic is already okay. yeah. the the
2: poster for uh, the walking dead I mean it it does kind of look that way where there all the cars are in there forever now
0: <laughs> um, yeah yeah so god himself says you're condemned and vanderdecken could not let the creator of the universe have the last word so he spat back with amen to that <laughs> amen brother <laughs> pretty much wow you're condemned to sail the oceans forever. <laughs> hell yeah, brother.
2: and <laughs> I got mean, it's like it's like some redneck. I mean I got be in my ATV forever. My-
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: hell yeah. Amen
0: to that. Hell yeah. Yeah, except his think about his poor crew though. Right? Mm. Because they were literally trying to fight back against him and he got them all condemned. They had first. to know what they were Returning. getting into. <laughs> yeah, there was not a whole lot of like uh magnanimity. It back yeah. then for the sailors. If there was ever going to be mercy for Vanderdecken and his crew, that little zinger was kind of the deathbed of it. Right. From that moment on, the Dutchman and his crew were damned eternally to wander the seas, a cursed portender of doom wherever they were sighted. And I mean, they have been seen. To the point where, this is documented, British royalty may have seen them. V- like, centuries later, but 1881... Prince George V was sailing as a midshipman mm. with the British Royal Navy. According to the tale, they were off the coast of Australia when the lookout in the mast called out that he had spotted the ghost ship of the Dutchman herself. Shortly following the man's words, down to the deck was his body, a gruesome reminder of the fate that awaits those who sight the spectral ship. And a hell of a wake-up call for a boy prince. In fact, you want to know who some of the most recent people who have documented cases of seeing the Flying Dutchman are? We've already mentioned them once. Hello. It's the Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) German Admiral Karl Donlitz, who briefly succeeded Adolf Hitler as like evil chancellor, emperor, ruler of Germany or whatever the hell Hitler's actual title was, I, I think after Hitler died, which means he was doing it for like 15 seconds. Well, I guess I'm in charge now. <laughs> oh, I guess I'm in charge. Wait, why are the walls speaking Russian?
1: Crash into the moon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. That works. Upstairs, uh, but...
1: uh, it's okay. You're in good company.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Quality distinguished gentleman. <laughs> so, Admiral Donuts. Actually, I just realized his last name really sounds like that. I was going to say, are it's you sure it's not Donuts? Ich could be Ein Berliner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which is funny now because that is a reference. Yeah, That's a top shelf.
2: That was a top.
1: That show. was yeah. That was really good.
0: <laughs> Literally,
1: <laughs> I am a donut.
0: <laughs> he said that German U boats would occasionally send back reports of seeing the Flying Dutchman, like they were reporting it to their military command, and without exception, those reports were followed by disaster, death or destruction of the submarine itself. And something that I noticed is very similar is that God's curse on the Dutchman and his crew was almost the exact same curse of the Aztec gold in the Curse of the Black Pearl. Mm-hmm. What do you guys
1: think? Don't remember it well enough to say, but I'm going to agree with you.
0: Damn it. All right, put a pin in that after you've watched it we're doing our episode on Pirates of the <laughs> Therapy, and I want to bring that point up again because I think it might be like the inspiration of the movie. Yeah, I gotcha. mm-hmm. well, I've got you. I've got a third and final ghost ship for us to hit. And this one is a little different from our first two. And what does it have that the teaser and the Dutchman don't? Government conspiracy.
3: Ooh.
0: Oh, yeah. We're going to jump forward again to 1947 or 48 or 1939. The stories really differ on I think this. I know this one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The CIA is involved? Yeah? Mm, huh?
1: Just keep talking. <laughs> <No>. Okay. <laughs>
0: Anyway, this is sometime around World War II, around that era. So we're talking the age of, like, steamers and shit, no longer sail. An American steamer near the Straits of Malacca receives an SOS signal from a ship identifying itself as the Orang Madan. They send back a reply. This is all in Morse code on the radio. And the response they get was the ship's position and this message. All officers, including the captain, are dead, lying in chart room and bridge, possibly whole crew dead. The end of this message was cut off when they lost radio contact. When they picked up radio contact again, they got a brief message and followed by silence. All they got in Morse code was, I die." <laughs> Following that, the American steamer, which was later reported to be called the Silver Star, but that's kind of disputed. Like I said, this, this whole story is disputed, and I'm blaming the CIA for that. But, <laughs> altered course to attempt a rescue. How long it took them to reach the vessel is again a point of contention, but it wasn't quick. It was somewhere between a few and 19 hours because they had quite a distance to go. When they finally found them, the ship was drifting with no power. It was listing slightly, but not enough for them to be worried about it sinking, more like it wasn't loaded properly. Mm -hmm. They circled the silent vessel and hailed it multiple times with the ship's horn, which is loud as fuck if you guys don't know. So like, someone would have heard that. They got no response. And that's not normal maritime conduct. You always respond to The captain finally decides to send a search and rescue team aboard. The team, led by the ship's first officer and consisting of nine other sailors, tried to hail the ship when they pulled alongside, but to no avail. Eventually, they noticed as they pulled up that one of the ship's lifeboats was missing. Four men, including the first officer, climbed up onto the Madon to investigate. As soon as they were on board, they felt the air around them grow cold despite the fact that the ambient temperature on the sea that day was literally 110 degrees. The horrific sights began as soon as their boots landed on the deck. The ship was littered with corpses. Not one crew member showed any visible signs of injury, but they were eerily similar. The entire crew had expressions of terrified agony on their faces, with their mouths gaping open and their eyes wide with fear. Some of them, appeared to be pointing or defending against some sort of adversary, and according to a Coast Guard report, quote, their frozen faces were upturned to the sun, which means whoever they were pointing at was above them. Even the ship's dog was found, dead and frozen in a defensive snarl. The captain was found on the bridge while his officers were scattered on the deck of the chart room. The radio operator, the one who had gotten in contact with them, was found at his station. All of them bore the same expression, Horror and pain. Each appeared to be decaying at an unnaturally fast rate. All in all, they found 22 dead men on a ship that should have been crewed by about 40. Now, Search Party was understandably on edge, sifting through this grisly floating morgue, but before they could get to investigating what its cargo was, they smelled something strange. And then they had to cut their investigation short because they saw one of the scariest things a sailor can see hundreds of miles from land or other aid, smoke. Realizing there was probably a fire below decks, the first officer ordered them all off the ship. The team scrambled back to their boat and pulled away to the Madon. They were back on the deck of their own steamer when the explosion started. From somewhere within the the Madon, blasts started rumbling out across the water. The American ship stayed at a safe distance but watched as the Madon. Had several explosions go off in her hold, rolled over onto its side, and sank into the sea. Wow. Now, in some versions of this tale, a lifeboat of six corpses and one dying survivor later washed up in the Marshall Islands almost a month later. The man on board claimed to be the second officer of the Orang Madon, and claimed they were illegally smuggling dangerous chemicals, which began to leak and began to kill the crew. Mm-hmm. However, the validity of that is seriously questioned. Like, the validity of there even being survivors is questioned, because if there was poisonous gas floating out of the hold, why would it have killed guys on the open deck? Like, it's not a contained space, but I mean, a bunch of the dead were found out on the deck.
1: You can find, and, there's, like, uh, gas pockets under lakes in Africa, and sometimes they'll emerge, like, just into the open air.
0: That's different. That I'm talking about something <laughs> leaking out of their hold itself, not, mm-hmm. like, a giant bubble, because I'm actually going to go into the bubble thing.
3: Ooh, that you're welcome.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, the, the version of there being survivors or not is disputed. A lot of versions claim there was no survivors at all. So, what exactly happened to the Orang Madan? There's a number of theories, and actually, a horror video game built off this that looks really cool. Oh. We'll, we'll, wait, we will. That,
1: I, the man of Medan, Madame or whatever, the, uh, okay, yes, had no that idea. That is
0: that's built off of this really? story. Okay, basically an explanation for this. That's yeah. fun. That's why it's spelled the name, the man of Madon. Yeah, Orang Madon. Uh, oh God, it means something. It means like ship from Madon or something like that. Mm. So, first theory, Alex. Thank you for spoiling it. You're it's welcome. A methane gas bubble. Sometimes methane collects and then rises from the ocean floor in giant bubbles. And it's possible that the ship sailed into this bubble as it broke from the surface of the water and the gas killed everyone on board and then was later ignited by the boiler resulting in the explosion that sank the ship. Mm. However, the timing of that seems off because these men started dying hours before the ship exploded. And if there was enough gas to kill everyone, it probably would have ignited around the same time. Another possibility is that carbon monoxide leaking from the boiler room killed the crew. And the malfunction in the boiler continued until it exploded. However, this has the same issue as the illegal chemicals theory, which is how would leaking carbon monoxide kill these men on the open deck of a ship moving across the ocean? It wouldn't build up to the point where it would suffocate them unless they were lying down. Next theory. <laughs> Fucking aliens, baby. <laughs> yeah. Just like the pyramids in Elvis, people have decided to explain the unexplainable with a UFO. This theory draws from the facts that the crew didn't have any obvious wounds but apparently died looking at something horrifying above them. Did a flying saucer attack them and fry them all with a death ray? It's possible.
1: I like that one.
0: Our next theory is even more off the walls because it's ghost pirates. (laughs) This one draws on basically the same proof as the aliens one, with the added cherry on top of the fact that the temperature was cold, sensibly colder on deck than the surrounding area, which sounds like a ghost story missing the ghosts. I like this one because I like to think that maybe they literally ran into the flying Dutchman
1: and Crossover. their
0: victims. Yeah. Crossover. Yeah. <laughs> now the final idea that I'm gonna throw out here is actually the most sinister one. The Irangwindon was secretly transporting some kind of secret potent biological weapon developed by the Japanese in Unit 731. Mm. Supporting this idea are the facts that the crew is sometimes reported to be entirely Asian. Mm. I'm not trying to be racist, but that's some of the reports say that. But none of them knew each other before the voyage. According to the version where the second officer su- survives, he actually said that they intentionally recruited people who didn't know each other. It would also explain what the dangerous chemicals were in that story. Unit 741, or you guys both know what that is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you care to give an explanation for our listeners who might not? Are you calling me out that I don't know it? No, I would just... <laughs> giving you an option to explain <laughs> it. I have stuff written down here, but I want to know what you know about it. Uh I know
2: it was a chemical warfare research like um like a unit and it was like one of those like uh SCP Foundation type things or whatever where it's just like crazy ass shit was experimented and it's like, you know, crossbreeding and that kind of thing, I think. So, I've heard of it, but I don't know like a whole That's lot bad.
0: on it. Oh I'll pull out a few of the more uh, horrifying details. But yeah, that's that's a fair description. You know, the worst part is that SCP isn't even real, and this most certainly was. Well, yeah. And we actually we actually don't know the full extent of what went on here because so much of it has been covered up or destroyed. But it was a secret Japanese military science unit based in China, actually, because they conquered an area of China that conducted yeah just unbelievably horrifying experiments on prisoners. And it's practically torture, but they had scientists running it. They're included, but we're not limited to, vivisections, which is dissecting a human being while they're still alive, using them as guinea pigs for biological weapons, because the whole purpose of this was to develop a biological weapon that would make them superior to any other country on Earth, and freezing them to study the effects of frostbite, intentionally affecting them with STIs to study the progression of the diseases, and many, many more.
2: If this did take place, what you said, like 1948, then it would make sense they were trying to do this after we fucking annihilated uh Hiroshima and Nagasaki with two bombs, right?
0: No, this this was going on during World War II. Oh, okay.
1: No, but he means the ship part. What year is the ship? The
0: ship part, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um it's debated. It's either nineteen thirty nine or nineteen forty eight, forty seven.
1: That's so how is it it's either what the fuck?
0: It's debated, okay. There's different <laughs> sources that say different but things. Like, like newspapers, thirty-nine like time it, periods say different things about it.
1: Thirty-nine is the beginning, the official beginning of the war, and like forty-eight or forty-nine is like well after the war.
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> this was excruciating to to look up. Mm. So the idea here is that they were transporting some sort of unknown biological weapon developed from these horrifying experiments on human beings which the, the Japanese government didn't even admit that that unit existed for like 40 years after the fact.
1: So Do they admit it this now? Had shown
0: up, yes, they admit okay. that it existed. I don't know if they've officially apologized.
1: I don't think so. They Most of the war atrocities that the Japanese committed, like the current government, won't really... They say that all their numbers are inflated and stuff.
0: Yeah, that's probably Mm -hmm. To avoid making a diplomatic incident, we'll just stay away from the...
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're an important ally now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, while we don't know everything about the unit, it is known that they were planning to develop a germ weapon capable of making Japan, like I said, the dominant empire on Earth. And could that have been what the Orang-Madan was smuggling? Maybe the captain built a self-destruct device in in case it leaked... Maybe he intentionally set something off to destroy it so it didn't fall into, you know, quote-unquote, enemy hands. We will literally never know if that's true or not. But it's an interesting theory. And the cherry on top of this that makes it interesting is that the CIA is kind of involved in this story.
1: If it's 39, they're not.
0: No, they're not involved with it at the time. <laughs> oh, okay. In 1959, an Arizona man, which is a close species relative to the Florida man, this guy's name is ch mark jr wrote a letter to the assistant of the cia director at the time his letter which i actually read researching this is crazy his version of the story is a little different than the version i just described but it's close enough right he claims that this mystery must be related to various aircraft disappearances over the ocean as well as tying into ancient, I mean like ancient reports of what sound a whole hell of a lot like UFOs either rising from the depths of the sea or descending from the sky. He doesn't reach any real conclusion other than he's sure that if we can figure out what happened to the orang it'll hold the key to explaining these other reports as well. Now, it sounds like crazy ramblings, right? I'd fucking say so if I read it. But the CIA kept this letter classified at the top-secret level for 44 years.
1: Interesting. Wow.
0: They only released it to the public in 2003, and even then they redacted the name of who exactly Mark was writing to. Is there more to this story? If I mysteriously die after we like put this on Spotify... That, that is one. It's because i was I gonna mentioned
2: say that. noah you it, the, the debating on what time what year this took place with the ship um maybe it was 1942 and while they were on their way to los angeles they stopped by the and they took him out holy son shit. of a bitch <laughs> you just cracked the code uh, yep my god it's all the cab <laughs> trails it's the cab trails
0: <laughs> it's the fucking zeppelin ufo I can see the numbers and information floating in front of Montana's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> He's entered a higher plane of thought than the rest of us. Like a Sam so Witwicky
1: from as Transformers.
0: As, as soon as
2: you <laughs> yes. said, uh, yeah, yeah. As soon as you said, uh, as soon as you said, uh, UFOs rising out of the water, I thought of when we talked about the the submarines launching planes in that episode, and I was like, oh shit, what if this was 1942? Because it's the mm. on what year it was. Holy shit,
0: man! That's a Spooky. We're building our own like cinematic universe our, of spooky. Yeah, I was gonna say this the the spooky battle cinematic universe, the somewhat sober CU, the SSCU. <laughs> SSCU. Spook Spookverse. <laughs> Spook
1: <Spookverse.
0: laughs> Tying it into all sorts of things. So yeah, that is that is our conclusion for our ghost ships, and I've got one more thing that we're hitting on to hit our theme of spooky pirate shit, and this of course, is buried treasure. Our final tale here involves the legend of Captain William Kidd, a privateer turned pirate in the generation preceding Blackbeard. So he was late 1600s, not the early 1700s. He was a Scotsman by birth, and he mostly operated in the Atlantic and Indian Oceans. Don't sue me if that's wrong, but I think that's what I got out of this. Uh, Before he was executed in 1701 in England. He was reportedly a cruel captain commanding the crew of his ship the Adventure Galley. Remember that name? It comes back. With an iron hand that sometimes resulted in lashings done with a cutlass. And at least one man being murdered outright when Kid beat him with a bucket. Wow! He beat him to death with a bucket. However, unlike Blackbeard, Kid's legends don't stem from his career so much as his treasure. Like, the legends aren't even about him. Like, Blackbeard is a figure. Captain Kidd is, I mean, he's known, but he's not Blackbeard. And the legends and the spooky shit come from his wealth. There's literally dozens of places that this hoard of jewels and gold is apparently stashed. I mean, like, that's not an exaggeration. Every motherfucker on the coast of America thinks that Captain Kidd's treasure is buried in their backyard somewhere. <laughs> But we're gonna I'm gonna hit on a few of them that have the most cursed haunted and terrifying tales associated with them and I mean if you listen to us and you want to investigate and you survive these experiences you have a chance of finding his treasure which legally means you have to split it with us <laughs> Hashtag but still if not- anything
1: goes wrong we're not legally liable because this, <laughs> yeah, that's this the is not advice. sweet
0: spot of us not knowing anything about the law I guess <laughs> <laughs> We're anyway, not professionals giving advice. <laughs> we are not professionals of anything. Anyway, first spot Charles Island, Connecticut. This island is barely more than a collection of rocks and a narrow, sometimes disappearing sandbar. It's like, it's kind of an exaggeration to even call it an island. But this barren spot, supposedly cursed by the Native Americans well before a kid was even born became home to kids hidden Troge in Trove. Troj. It's, it's Trojan. Trojan. <laughs> Came home to a uh, kids use sheep intestine condom. That's right next to teachers hole. Sixteen ninety
1: nine.
0: That's when he was supposed to put his treasure mm-hmm. there. That's what I'm trying to say. Which is two years before he was hung. It well, said he was that hung
2: alright. But, uh,
1: I was thinking the middle of sixteen
0: ninety nine is sixty nine. <laughs> <Hey>. I... <laughs> Children, are we done? <laughs> Sorry, Noah. <laughs> Good heavens! I'm just so just so the listeners know, Alex isn't reading the script right no. now. I'm the only one looking at it. So he visually imagined 1699 (laughs) and his head saw 69 and that made him laugh. I didn't even say 69. But it's in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Anyway, in 1850, nearly a century and a half after he had died, two treasure hunters, according to legend, actually found Kid's stash on this little island. But as soon as they pried open the first chest, they were blasted back by a fierce blue flame. A towering, flaming skeleton stormed out of the flame and attacked them both, driving them away from their prize. These men escaped with their lives, but not their minds. The fear and disbelief drove them both insane, and they spent the rest of their days languishing in an asylum, which is not where you want to be in the 1850s.
1: Yeah, ever.:
0: Yeah, but like, you know, a mental hospital now is a whole hell of a lot better than like, hmm, I got an ice pig here. It's looking like your eyeball is getting sort of itchy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. I guess that's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs>
0: now
2: that we don't lobotomize people left and right. It sounds like the end of Indiana Jones with the.
1: I haven't seen that one.
2: Uh, spoiler alert, Alex.
1: <laughs> I'm taking my headphones out.
2: The Covenant. When they open up the Ark.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is similar. What a wonderful movie. You got your headphones back in, Alex? I'm back. Yeah, okay, good. I can't believe you <laughs> just spoiler alert you. That's crazy. Spoiler alert, a movie that came out well before any of <laughs> us were born.
1: If you guys want to, after the pirate season's over, we can do Indiana Jones next.
0: Yes. God, yes. All right. Our next location is Appledore, Maine. This isle also claims to be the spot of the true resting point of Kid's wealth, of course. But beware ye who investigate, because you may be attacked by Old Bab, the red-faced phantom. The legend of Appledore is that Kid actually intentionally rooted Bab's soul to his treasure to guard it forever by slitting his throat exactly on the spot where he had buried it which is that's fucking dark. some like yeah, black yeah. magicy shit. Now, some of the legends get a little darker than just ghosts. Mm-hmm. The separate tales of Liberty Island, New York, like yeah, the the Liberty Island mm-hmm. Piscataqua River between Maine and New Hampshire. Oh, I wrote down New Hampshire. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Son of a bitch. I have nothing against New Hampshire. It's,
0: it's, it's... You've been doing so much reading of old English, you just started writing it in yourself. <laughs> New Hampshire? Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> New Hampshire. I'm sorry, New Hampshire. I've got nothing against you. <laughs> oh, and Lions Rock, Connecticut, all have ties to, like, the demonic. At Liberty Island, which, like like I said, this is we're talking Statue of Liberty, Liberty Island, if you find kids' treasure, you'll be greeted by a winged, horned, blue flame-breathing demon as what happened to Sergeant Gibbs, who was stationed there in 1830. Piskakwata, oh fuck, I'm sorry. Whatever that river is, Piss River, will only be a safe spot to dig if you're looking for his treasure if you continuously read from the Bible as you work. Otherwise, you'll be attacked by a monstrous horse-like creature. Lion's Rock, too, has a scripture reading requirement to dig. If you try without Bible verses on your lips, you'll be attacked by a demon tasked by Kid himself to, guide his, to guard his final act of avarice. Huh. Oak Island in Nova Scotia, Canada, we're going back to the Canadians. Hmm. This one actually is like a bit more real. If any of them are gonna be real, it's probably Oak Island. There is a very real man-made shaft on Oak Island that many believe to be the resting place of Kid's treasure. However, the way the shaft was constructed was levels of wooden boards separated by three feet of sand at a time. So they're like layers going down. So if you dug it, and then you were filling it back up, they put down boards, put in sand, put down boards, put in sand, put down boards. got what I'm saying? Mm. Yes. It's like a casserole of wood and sand. I like it. Yeah, you should try eating that. (laughs) There was a stone recovered, So, so they find these boards and they start digging down, like archaeologists did, and they found a stone with markings on it describing a huge treasure to be found at the bottom of the shaft, if you can get to it. However, something triggered some kind of booby trap during the dig, and the pit filled with murky water. No excavator has managed to dig past the bottom of the pit, and while there haven't been reported demons or ghosts, there's been a very real sign of a possible curse. No less than seven people have died trying to uncover what lays in the depths of the water.
3: Hmm.
0: Some think that this shaft is what Kid was referring to when, before his execution, he claimed his treasure was hidden, quote, where none but Satan and myself can find it. Which is a maddeningly nondescriptive description of where it's supposed to be. Unless he hid it in Teach's Hole.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's the portal to hell.
0: (laughs) Yep. Edward Teaches Asshole. (laughs) I'm going to close out this episode, gotten kind of dark, with something a little more lighthearted. This is the tale of Dem Bones. (laughs) According to S.E. Schlosser, an American folklorist, Dem Bones is a word-of-mouth ghost story originating in New Jersey. According to the tale, Kid actually buried his treasure in a now non-existent pine grove in Sandy Hook. Which is, outside of this story, a, a possible resting place of the treasure. People have debated that one. Hmm. However, the tale goes that ships, blah, blah, Kid's ship, the Adventure Galley, will hmm. sometimes silently sail back to the bay at you know certain foggy nights, of course. Now, the Adventure Galley is a phantom ship made of shadows, crewed by ghastly skeletons of Kid and his men. And when he pulls up, they allow several boats to depart. The skeletal men, dressed in the tattered remains of pirate clothes, bring chests of gold, jewels, and spirits, and I mean booze, not like ghosts, (laughs) sure, where they spend the night reminiscing, playing around with their enormous wealth, and drinking unholy amounts of rum and whiskey. After their night-long party, which frankly sounds kind of adorable, like very like Disney Halloween vibes, Mm -hmm. they bury the treasure and return to their shadow ship to disappear into the mist before the sun can rise. If you're lucky enough to have a hiding spot where you can watch this show from, you can rest assured that you've seen Dem Bones as they're called. I've actually seen that show. It's in my my dad's
2: basement with all these fucking skeletons.
0: You were going to need some serious like explanation for the people listening to this who don't know your father. Oh, no, I'm just going to leave it there.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. We so for those who don't obviously know, which would be nobody. Uh my dad is a big pirate fan, a big Halloween fan, and he decks out no pun intended uh the uh the front lawn <laughs> and, the, uh, the, <laughs> and uh, the front lawn and the uh the atrium of our house every halloween with his own like homemade like pirate like themed like it's it's pretty impressive what he can build um but he has basically like a dozen like halloween skeletons that he dresses in the pirate garb and during the year when it's not out for halloween they live in the basement all like. In, like not not in storage like a regular person they are still out <laughs> and, and staged around the basement so they're all down here with me right now as I'm recording.
0: to be fair, have we ever seen your father and the ghostly skeleton of Captain Kidd in the same That's room? true I have not
1: mm. I think Noah's uh, dog man grandma and your pirate dad. Are part of the spooky verse.
3: Oh my
0: god. Yeah. <laughs> Spookyverse. <laughs> uh so what do you guys think? What was what is the scariest tale here for you guys?
3: Hmm.
2: I don't know. I think uh, for, uh I, I don't know. Blackbeard's obviously extremely terrifying as a person, but the Flying Dutchman story with like God's booming voice over you at sea, that's that's pretty Fucking terrifying. (laughs) I don't know. I I guess I'd go with the Flying Dutchman. Would you try to shoot God if that (laughs) happened to you, Montana? No, I would not shoot him. I would just ask him why very loudly.
1: That's literally, yeah, I knew you were going to say that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have a question for God. (laughs) Why? (laughs) What about you, Alex? Mm. What?
1: Spooky pirate tale tickled your face. Yeah, the the Medan Medan one because that one felt You rang Medan? Yeah, that one felt the most realistic Um, and like plausible.
0: You're saying decapitated bodies swimming around by themselves doesn't seem plausible.
1: Contrary to my compadres um, I am not very superstitious. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, we know. Well, I gotta have a straight man on the show. Yeah.
1: So I think a ship full of dead men in 1948 or whatever feels like the most realistic thing that could happen, and that would be spooky as fuck, to just walk into that, regardless of if it was paranormal or not.
0: Right. I mean, it was definitely aliens. We established this. Battle of LA. It's all the same event, man. You're right. Fucking that Arizona man, Mr. Mark, he had it on the (laughs) That's why they covered it up, man. This is a better. You knew it was real.
2: These are more accurate and well thought out tie ins than the fucking Cloverfield franchise.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I'm telling you, man, we can build our own universe. We could. The
1: recipient thing. of his letter was blacked out because he's writing to George Washington. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's still alive. His frozen head.
0: <laughs> well, anyway, that's pirate ghost stories and tales of horror on the high seas everyone mm. I've been your host Noah with Alex and Montana wow. I gonna give you guys a chance to fight stealing over that one stealing my rights <laughs> from me yeah, mutiny where <laughs> I'll shoot you and then <laughs> I guess get condemned by God God uh, this is us signing off everyone thanks for listening
1: thanks, thanks.